0: This is a special episode because it is our 200th episode of Recloseted Radio. I started this podcast back in 2019, and so it's been four years of this podcast, which is crazy. Thank you for being here. If you've been here since the beginning, thank you so much. So grateful for you. And to celebrate 200 episodes, there's two things we're doing first of all, we have an exciting announcement. This podcast is now available to consume in video format. So if you want to see my face and you also want to see the faces of the people that I interview and bring onto the podcast, then check it out on our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash at Recloseted. We'll have links down in the show notes for you as well. And then don't worry, if you don't want to watch it in video format, you can still listen to me. We're still available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. The second exciting announcement is in this episode, I I have gathered a list of questions from our team and also from our community. I did a question story on our Instagram so if you aren't following us make sure you follow us at Recloseted so you don't miss our next one but I have all the questions on my phone. I'm just going to read them out and then I'm going to answer them and I'm excited because these are things I haven't talked about before but I'm really looking forward to diving into this. Join the slow fashion revolution with Recloseted Radio. As the number one podcast for fashion entrepreneurs with a conscience, we're here to help you reach new heights. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted, and I'm on a mission to share my insider knowledge and strategies for launching a successful sustainable brand, growing your existing slow fashion business, and making your brand more environmentally friendly. I also invite industry experts to share their stories and insights too. So subscribe and let's get to work on transforming the harmful fashion industry. Before we get started, I wanted to share our free Fund Your Fashion Line training. If you haven't heard about it yet, this is a brand new free training I put together for you. That's going to tackle how much money you need to start a sustainable fashion brand. And I will overview exactly how you can get that funding as well. So in this 30-minute training, I am covering three secrets. You're going to learn exactly what to spend your limited budget on to really maximize your funds. So you're going to know what's worth your money and what's not. We're also going to talk about exactly how much you need to start your brand. I have a spreadsheet that I give you and I walk you through in the training. We go line by line by line. I give you rough cost estimates. I really try to be as transparent as possible. And then last but not least, we talk about the funding you need to launch it. And so this training is for you if you haven't launched your brand yet. You're really anxious and overwhelmed about the costs. And the reason I put this together is because I firmly believe you need to know all the costs and everything that's required before you start a fashion brand. This is definitely something you don't want to just go into <laughs> without knowing much. So I want to equip you so that you're not walking into this blind. And if you haven't watched the training yet, make sure you go through it now because I really think it's going to be super beneficial for you. I don't sell you anything. There's no BS. It's just 30 minutes of pure knowledge and you can access it at recloseted.com slash budget or click the link in I share notes. Okay so without any further ado let's dive into the questions. I have them on my phone like I mentioned and it's a mixture of stuff that our team wanted me to answer and also I asked on Instagram and these are some of the questions that came up. But the first question is can you describe an early fashion memory? So this is something that's fun but the earliest fashion memory I have is probably when I was like two or three years old. And I remember going into my parents' closet. And if you know my origin story or why I started recloseted, a big muse or proponent of that is my mom. My mom studied fashion design in Shanghai and she really wanted to start her own line of silk scarves. She loves scarves. She always wore them to accessorize her outfits. So anyway, she had all these samples that she kept and they were in her closet. I remember they were so nice and luxurious feeling because back then like the silks were so nice. It's not really like what it is today where it's blended with other stuff, but anyways, I digress. So she had this orange one and it was tie-dye and she had this yellow one that was patterned and then she had this earthy tone green one that was like green, brown, blue and it was tie-dye and really cool. And she was honestly doing tie-dye back in the 80s and 90s before it was cool <laughs> during COVID so anyways I remember just sneaking into her closet and because this was such a precious part of her career she would always be like don't touch them like leave these alone but I would sneak in and then I would really dress up with it and because I was so small at the time these scarves were basically like dresses for me so I just remember really loving to play dress up and just sneak into my mom's closet and utilize those pieces and I also distinctly Remember, I thought that these pieces were really nice and it just felt really nice on the skin. And yeah, ever since then, I've had a really big appreciation for great fabrics. So that's definitely an early fashion memory I remember. And then a question from Instagram. So this person asked, How did you transition from being a fast fashion consumer to now someone that is leading a slow fashion movement? And this is a great question because I have been quite candid and transparent about the fact that I used to be a fast fashion consumer. I used to buy things from fast fashion brands. I used to retail therapy myself better. Obviously, I'm not proud of it, but it's also not something I hide because I think a lot of people are in this stage. And if I can change and start closeted, then anything's possible. But I also want to talk a little bit about why I was doing that because a lot of the times if we're trying to break bad habits or we're trying to dive a little bit deeper into why we do things, there is typically a root cause. And for me, I think I started kind of putting an emphasis on clothes at an early age. I grew up in a predominantly Caucasian white neighborhood. And as the only Asian in my class, I was teased and I was bullied because I looked different. I wore different things. I ate different things, like all the reasons why I was just essentially different and not like everyone else. And I remember at the time, I just so desperately wanted to fit in. I hated being different. I hated sticking out. And so clothing was kind of a way to do that. I realized that a lot of my clothes and my style was really different than what kids at school were wearing. And I just couldn't understand why I couldn't just wear like a sweater and jeans and like sneakers like everyone else. And I kind of saw clothing as a shield to fit in and just not be teased. And of course, there's other things there too. but the. I guess 10 year old, 12 year old in me was like, okay, I I see clothing almost as a shield to express myself and also just fit into the world. So that's one piece. And then, secondly, if you know my story a little bit, I used to work at a corporation. I worked a nine to five job and I honestly did not love it. (laughs) I learned a lot of stuff and I am grateful for my time in my career that definitely grew a lot as a person, but from a just like work-life balance perspective and fit perspective, I just wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. And I feel like when you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's really, really hard to just to cope with that. And I think at the time I didn't have the tools and mental health wasn't discussed as as it is now. I would just do things that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. And then I would try to make myself feel better by going to happy hours or going to dinners. And Honestly, I wasn't making that much. So it wasn't very fiscally responsible to be doing that. But then on top of that, I would retail therapy myself better. So I would go out and buy clothes I didn't really need. I would jump on trends, and I would just use, again, my clothing and fashion as a form of trying to make myself feel better. And in the moment, if you've ever bought something or impulse shopped, you know in the moment it feels good, but then afterwards the high kind of dies off. And it is a shopping addiction essentially, right? So I recognized that and I was like, okay, this cannot continue to happen because, first of all, it's not fiscally responsible, like I mentioned. And second of all, it just doesn't make sense to have so much clothes that I do not wear. My closet is overflowing and I somehow still don't have things to put together, outfits. So that was kind of like a frustration. And then if you know my story about how I started Recloseted, which is actually the next question I got, someone on Instagram asked, tell us more about the story behind why you started Recloseted. So this is like a good segue. But basically, I was still at my nine to five corporate job. I was feeling like I was rotting weight in the cubicle. Again, like I wasn't doing anything that was meaningful and I wasn't learning as much anymore. And one day I wore a polyester buzz to work and I thought it was really cute. I didn't really think too much of the material. Like obviously it does not feel as nice and as luxurious as a silk blouse, but at the time it was cheap and it looked cool. So I was like, cool, let's get it. And I wore it to work. And then by lunchtime, I remember I was so itchy I was so uncomfortable and I was in a meeting and the meeting ended and I like rushed off into the bathroom to like figure out what was going on and I had a skin rash all over my chest it was starting to come up my neck and it was just gnarly and I was freaking out because I never had something like that happen to me before and I do have quite sensitive skin and I think this blouse I also didn't wash it because I was being lazy so part of that might have been that too but I definitely was having a reaction to the material. And so I looked at the material. I looked through the composition and I just started Googling because I, it was just so weird that this was happening. So I started Googling and then I started learning more about what polyester is made out of. It shocked me that it's basically made out of crude oil. And that really led me down the rabbit hole to find more about fashion because throughout my whole life, I've always talked about fashion. I've always learned about fashion from my mom because, again, she studied fashion design in Shanghai. She kind of gave up her career when she immigrated to Canada with me and my dad to raise me and my sister. And we're always grateful for that. But throughout that, she's always talked to me about clothing and how clothing are made and the importance of choosing good materials. Like whenever I would buy polyester, she would harp on and on and on about how it's not great. And I just, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of one in one year out the other. But Anyways, I had a background and an interest and a passion for fashion, if you will, but I just didn't know about the dirty side of the fashion industry. And when I found that out, I was so genuinely shocked because at the time, this was almost eight years ago, but back then, fashion sustainability and sustainability in general wasn't talked about as much as it is today. Nowadays, I feel like most people know that fast fashion is bad and it's bad because of X, Y and Z and not only fashion, but like a lot of other industries need to become more conscious and shape up their act. But back then, it just wasn't as common, at least in my circle with my friends, my family, like no one was really talking about it. So when I found out about it, I was like, okay, this is a cause that I feel deeply passionate about. I'm getting riled up, like why is no one talking about it? And I decided to do something about it. At the time, I still wanted to stay at my corporate job and my nine to five job because coming from immigrant parents, you know, like they really value stability. So I wasn't about to quit my job and start this activism thing that I have no idea how I'm going to monetize or create a living for myself. So instead, what I decided to do is just start a side hustle. And I was so lost and so unfulfilled at work that I needed something to reinvigorate that passion in myself. So I started be closeted a month later, and I never looked back. When I started Recloseted, originally it was really just supposed to be like a passion project and an outlet for my creativity. And so another question I got is, you know, can you talk a little bit more about the process of writing the handbook and also why you wrote it? So going back to the story, started Recloseted as a side project, a passion project. And as I was learning more about the fashion industry, because remember, I went down that deep rabbit hole. I watched The True Cost. I listened to all the podcasts. I read all the books, like all these things. And to retain information, I like to take notes. And then I like to kind of like talk to other people about it. That's how I learn. So I was taking all these notes. I was telling anyone and everyone that would listen to me what was going on. And by the end of it, it was like, I think six months to eight months later, I had Pages and pages of notes. I had met with a lot of different stakeholders in my area at the time I was living in Vancouver, Canada. So it was just like so many notes, so many people I talked to. I was just sitting on all this information that, again, my friends, family, and friends and friends really just didn't know about and were talking about. So because I had all of that and because I was so passionate, I was like, why don't I write an ebook and put this all together? And if you have never written a book before, you don't know how much work it takes before you actually do it. But at the time, I was so naive. I was like, okay, I'm just going to like keep doing my job and write this book on the side. And that's what my passion project is going to be. And it was really fun. I did it for eight months, but I was so stressed the whole time. I wasn't like seeing any friends. I had no life outside of work. But I was really, really happy. For the first time in a really long time, I felt like my career had purpose. And even if no one read this book, at least I put this resource together for myself and my friends, friends of friends. So Anyways, eight months later, the Recloseted Handbook, Your Sustainable Fashion Guide, came to be, and we still sell it today. If you want to check it out, it's just recloseted.com slash handbook. We'll have a link for you in the show notes as well. If you want to use code podcast, you can get 10% off because we are celebrating 200 episodes. So I wanted to give you a little gift as well. But yeah, that handbook was like my blood, sweat, and tears. I'm still super proud of it. And essentially, I just poured everything I knew into that book. So Yeah, that's basically the early days of Recloset, And then the next question we have is, can you share a little bit more about the first initial clients you started with, how that came to be? So basically, going back to the story, I wrote the handbook, we published it, we sold it. And then after that was done, I was like, okay, what's next? Do I keep writing books? Do I want to try something else? And at the time, a few of my friends had started podcasts. And I never thought I would have a podcast because I was kind of like, oh, I don't really like my voice. I don't think I'm super well-spoken, all this stuff. I just like never thought I would do something like that. And here we are 200 episodes later. (laughs) But anyways, one of my friends that started a podcast wanted me to interview her on the podcast because she thought that would be a fun way to engage. Through that process, I realized that I do actually like podcasting. And she was like, no, you have a great podcast voice and all this stuff. And so sometimes I feel we are really really hard on ourselves. And we always say that we can't do things. But I am here to tell you that if I had that inkling, or if I didn't act on the fact that I wasn't comfortable on this, but I did it anyways, then we would not have 200 episodes of this podcast. And I know a lot of you love the podcast too. So the podcast would not exist if I had not just like taken that leap and had the courage to do it. So we did the handbook and then I started the podcast. The podcast was really fun because I got to interview and talk to a bunch of different people. I also got to share a little bit more about my thoughts and I really like that form. And after that, I decided that because I still wasn't fulfilled at work, I wanted to try to leverage my business background and my expertise to help brands that deserved it. Because if my job still was in the business sphere and I still got to you know flex my business knowledge, gain more skills... But it was in an industry and for brands and companies I actually believed in, I felt like that would actually be the perfect trifecta and would make me feel a lot more passionately about my career. So I decided that I wanted to work with conscious fashion brands because I knew I wanted to continue to work in the slow fashion space. It was something that really, again, deeply called to me and I felt like I could make a big difference. I wanted to get out there and do it. And so because I had never worked with a fashion brand before, I decided to do Some pro bono work. I searched up some brands locally. I pitched them, reached out to them to do some work for free. And I remember I was so nervous, which looking back now is kind of silly because who's going to say no to free consulting work? But at the time, I remember my heart was like racing. I was sweaty as I was typing out that email. And Everyone I reached out to got back to me and said they would love to try it. So I decided to put together a curriculum based on their challenges and their pain points. I leveraged all the strategies I learned in business school, but also working at corporate nine to five jobs. And, you know, I've worked at Fortune 500s and startups and everything in between. So I harnessed everything I learned there and I decided to apply it to these slow fashion brands and see if those strategies would work. Long story short, I was able to get them results. They loved working with me. I loved working with them. still remember the feeling of those meetings and working on those brands and those clients. I just felt so happy and I just felt this feeling of this is what i meant to do. And so that doesn't happen very often to me. I think that was the second time perhaps that had ever happened. And so I was like, okay, I think I'm onto something here. I love doing this. This is a good use of my skills. I feel good about leveraging what I've done up till now and helping these brands. And also these brands are benefiting and they're getting results and they like working with me as well. So once I tested that out, they wanted to continue to work with me. They began introducing me to other people. That's really when it started taking off. And the consulting side of recloseted was born. So very organic and started really as a side project, as a passion project, because I just felt unfulfilled at work. And yeah, now Recloseted is here. We have a podcast, which is like ranked really high globally. We have 200 episodes. We've worked with hundreds of clients. So yeah, just five years and a lot of dedication goes really far. And going back To my career, we had some questions around like, what drew you to business and marketing? And based on your experience and previous companies, what were those environments like and how did that experience you going forward when you decided to build closeted? Yeah, so we can talk a little bit more about why I decided to go into business and marketing first and then kind of chat more about my corporate career. I've always been super interested in business and entrepreneurship. I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there and in interviews that say like, oh, yeah, I had a lemonade stand, all this stuff. but. I didn't do that because my parents were way too paranoid about me like talking to strangers. But if they would have let me do that, I probably would have. But my version of the lemonade stand is when I was 15 to 20. To call it, so seven-ish years of my life, I had my own piano teaching academy. I come from a family of musicians. I'm also an Asian girl, so surprise, surprise, my parents put me in piano lessons. (laughs) And when I was younger, I basically completed all the levels of piano. So in Canada, there's a Royal Conservatory of Music or RCM. So I basically did all of them. I got performers, the teacher's degree, all those things at 16. And I had these, I guess. Call it high paying skills. And I was a broke high school student and then a broke university student. So I decided to teach kids locally. And it was a good paying job, right? Like it was a decent hourly rate and all this stuff. But I essentially started running my own business at 15. And I had to figure out how to get everyone to take me seriously. I had to figure out how to leverage word of mouth marketing. I remember going around in my neighborhood, putting up flyers, figuring out what types of flyers would look best, what headlines I should use, what font, what colors, like all these little things that at the time, it just felt really fun. And it was cool because I was making money. And I could get clothes that I wanted to get to fit in and like all this stuff. I started, I guess, entrepreneurship at a young age without even knowing it was entrepreneurship. And then my senior year of high school, one of my friends is going to this entrepreneurship conference at our local university. And she had an extra ticket and she was like, do you want to come with me? I didn't really think too much of it. And I was like, sure, let's go. And this conference was essentially a bunch of entrepreneurs in our area asking for funding. And so it was a pitch competition. And it was my first time seeing something like that and being in that kind of environment. I remember I was buzzing with excitement because it was so cool. The conversations that were happening, the people I was meeting, the visionary ideas that were being pitched. And it was just such a cool environment. In my head, I was like, okay, this is business. This is all business. And so I'm going to go into business school because I'm Asian. And I think a lot of people relate to this, but like your parents pretty much want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or like, you know, a rocket scientist. And I am so bad with science. I remember I would cry with a chem final or a physics final. Like it's just, it's just not how my brain works. And if it's how your brain works, power to you, but it's just not for me. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to study. I already kind of had an inkling I think business was for me. But this conference and this experience really solidified it. So I applied for a Bachelor of Commerce at my local university, the University of British Columbia, UBC, shout out. And I got in and then I basically went to business school. So that's kind of the story of it. And I want to go back to the second question. So the second question is, again, based on your experience working in global companies and your earlier career, what were those environments like and how did that experience influence you going forward when you decided to build Recloseted? So this is definitely, I guess, like, the coming of age, like the rocky cut scene for me in my entrepreneurship career. So in business school, when you go through it, I really do think they groom you to work for someone else, which makes sense. Majority of people are employees and not founders or entrepreneurs, unless you go to like a specific entrepreneurial school. And there were certain things I'm really grateful that I went to business school for, since as like the foundation, the strategies I learned, the frameworks I learned, All the different from accounting to finance to marketing to operation, all those things I think is really, really important that I've learned and I've really been able to gain those technical skills. But I also think on the other hand, like I mentioned, business school grooms you to work for someone else, not work for yourself. So I have also learned a lot just doing me closeted, And because business school grooms you to work for someone else, when you're going through that trajectory and you're in that environment, Everyone's trying to get a top job. So, everyone in finance is trying to be an iBanker. Everyone in accounting is trying to get into the big four. You know what I mean? And, like, when you're in marketing, everyone wants a brand management job. So, basically, I drank the Kool Aid. I decided to work at a Fortune 500 company. And it was a really fun experience because I was working in makeup and skincare. However, the environment just wasn't for me and the culture wasn't for me. And I remember I had like an amazing manager and an amazing team, but the overall company culture is still very prevalent and it just wasn't for me. So I distinctly recall being like, okay, I don't think I can work here full time. So I'm just going to try to apply for other roles. Maybe it's just like this company. And then I started working at another company. Similar things happened there were just so many politics. And I think that's the thing that really gets me and big corporations is just the politics of everything. Like people taking credit for your work, people pushing you under the bus, everyone working on a project, but then all of a sudden the CEO decides to go a different route and everyone has to like swing another way. The sucking up and playing the game and oh, it's just so gross to me. I'm just not. Someone that loves to do that. And so as a result of that, I try my hardest to take all my learnings from my corporate career. What was good? What did good managers do? What did bad managers do? And like, what did I like about certain cultures? What did I not like about certain cultures to really shape how I want Reclosited to look And I'm still in a fortunate position where Recloseted is still a small business, and we have a small and mighty team, and we're quite flat, so we don't have structure everywhere. But I am trying my hardest to build the culture that I wish I had starting out in corporate, and I think that's a big piece that I take from my early career that I am now putting into Recloseted. And we got this question, which is, you often talk about the importance of laying a foundation as a founder and to continuously work on yourself when it comes to hard skills and also when it comes to mindset. How would you recommend folks sort through the overabundance of information and advice out there because it often is very overwhelming and often conflicting as well? Yes, totally. So there's a lot of self-help, self-development stuff out there. First and foremost, I'm such a big fan of working on yourself. I always say that you can only take your business as far as you. You don't want to be the bottleneck. You want to make sure that you are always able to scale your business to new heights. So you constantly need to improve yourself. That being said, though, there's a couple of things. First of all, you need to always take inventory of how things are going and you need to figure out what skills you currently are really strong at and what skills you lack. And usually it's the lacking piece that is preventing you from getting to the next level. So do you need to figure out better marketing strategies? Do you need to freshen up on your sales skills? Do you need to start to figure out how to hire and build a team? What are the skills you're lacking? And then you can go out and seek resources for that. Otherwise, if you go into this blind, not knowing anything, you will be easily overwhelmed because there's like millions of books out there. There's millions of podcast episodes out there. And yes, to the person's question, like sometimes it does conflict because everyone has their own way of teaching and everyone has their own experience and everyone's telling you, you need to do X, Y, Z because that's what worked for them. But you need to go into it knowing what you're looking for and then seeking those resources. I think that's my first piece of advice to you. My second piece of advice is making sure that you consume, but you also implement. I have a mentor who calls this mental masturbation. But essentially, you know how when you listen to a podcast, when you read a book, you're like, oh, I feel so good. I feel so productive. Like I can check off another book I read this year, or I can check off the fact that I listened to a podcast instead of listening to music on my walk today. But at the end of the day, all that's great. But if you don't implement it, and everything stays the same, then you're just wasting your time. So it's really important to actually implement what you're listening to and what you're learning. And you learn so much better when you actually try things and you fail and you pivot. So don't just Always seek out resources you also need to implement at the same time. So that would be my biggest piece of advice, like really figure out what you're missing right now and then go and look for it. And then secondly, to implement as well. Don't just always consume things. And we had a question about can you share one of your proudest moments working with clients? Yeah, so over the past half a decade, I have had the privilege to work with some of the most amazing founders and clients in the world. I might be biased, but I think every single one of them is such amazing things. And my proudest moments are definitely when I see the growth and the change happening with our clients. Because a lot of the times we work with our clients either from like a 6 to 12 month duration. And so much growth and change can happen for some of our more new brand founders For some of my clients under startup brands, the type of person they are when they first start working with me and then the type of person they are when we're done, it's like night and day. It's like a completely different person. They now have the skills. They now have the knowledge. They have the confidence to go out there. And it's so rewarding to see. And then the other Type of proud moment I have is just like when our clients finally launch their brands. That's definitely something that's really rewarding. I had a client launch and have a really fun event in Glasgow last year, and I went up and I did a speaking event, and that was really rewarding. So, yeah, just like I think the growth of all of our different clients, and then also when they launch, it's really fun. And then for our bigger clients, it's just really when we're able to implement the strategies we've set out and then we're able to measure and see the impact especially for more of those sustainability clients because then you can actually see the difference that you're trying to make as well the next question is how have your views on the fashion industry changed over the years when i first started recloseted i remember that i was so riled up about everything and i was like why aren't more people talking about this why aren't things different Why can't we change things? And it was definitely more of that activist mindset. And then I met people, I learned more information. I kind of understood how the landscape works a little bit better. And then I was like, oh, okay, I see. Like this industry is very, very, very archaic in very many ways. Still set in a lot of old processes that aren't efficient. And the business model taking, making, consuming, and throwing out is just not working. But I feel like the entire industry is such a big clunky machine so in order to change things we need to be able to switch out parts we need to figure out how things can be together and that takes time so I am still really optimistic that we can change things and things are happening it's just more so I'm worried about the timeline of this change and if we can do it on time so Now and then, I am still optimistic. I guess that's my answer. Like, I'm still positive. I still think we can change things, but now I have more of that background and that perspective. So, I now know exactly what needs to be done and I have ideas of what it could look like, but I'm just going to continue to do my part and support our clients in achieving that. So, yeah. And then the next question is What would you say to the concept that sustainability and fashion are almost inherently at odds with each other? First of all, I would say that sustainability is inherently at odds with every single industry and every single thing on earth, be it food, be it travel. All these different industries are now trying to think about how they can have a smaller environmental impact on the world. And so it's not just fashion. But in general, I would say sustainability to me means balance. So living your life now, doing business activities and all that stuff without taking away too much for future generations. We're definitely on the side of the scale where we are taking too much right now, but hopefully that can change and we can do a little bit better. And I do think that with the change in business models, like I alluded to, because right now we have a take, make, consume, discard, linear fashion economy model but if change it more to a circular model where clothes are being reused they are being designed intentionally with longevity in mind and all these things are changing i do think that we can be a little bit better and sustainable fashion can just be the norm i always say that i am so excited for the day where i can just say we are a fashion consultancy we just work with fashion brands instead of saying like we work with conscious or sustainable fashion brands like i just want it to be the norm The next question is, how can small businesses, brands, and material vendors and innovators break through the noise of larger fashion brands? Do you still think there's room and space for brands and small businesses to succeed? Yes, I always think there's space for you. But you need to be really intentional and strategic about your brand because I don't think we need another brand that's like just selling sweaters or jeans or shoes because we have enough of that. Instead, we need a product that is different and solves a pain point and solves a problem. I talk about it all the time on the podcast, so you likely are not going to be surprised when I say this. This is why the customer-first approach I talk about is so important because you need to put your customers first, figure out what challenges and pain points they have, and make sure you are making products that are validated and solve those pain points. That's how you cut through the noise. That's how you cut through the competition, by making products that people actually need and they will use because people are going to buy things if they see a use for it and if it's different. So I would say that there's probably not a lot of space for just another t-shirt brand or another pair of jeans, like I mentioned. But if your product is versatile, if it's different, if it's really serving target demographic, then I will say go for it. And you really need to think carefully and be intentional about that because that's how you're going to succeed. And that's also how you're going to be able to just be conscious and be happy with the type of brand you're producing this was a fun question from our team but they were like you got engaged last year congrats How are you bringing your knowledge of sustainability and fashion into wedding planning? So I got engaged in October last year. And if you're watching the video podcast, I'm doing the basic like I got engaged post. But yeah, it's it's wild that it's already almost been six months. We've decided that our wedding is probably going to not be for a while because we want to take our time planning it and we don't want to be too stressed out. But there's a few things I have in mind. So I know that a lot of people put so much emphasis and stress on this one day and I just want to say that I will be playing this back and reminding myself but you know like it's just a day it's fine so long as it's at the end of the day you and your partner are married and you love each other and if you choose to have your loved ones around and they are there to witness it like that's all that matters. Don't sweat the small details. Things will go wrong. Things will go awry and that will be okay. So don't stress out too much about it. And then the second thing that I'm really trying to keep in mind is I know this is a a once-in-a-lifetime event or like, you know, once-in-a-lifetime event, but I also don't want it to last a lifetime in the landfills. So we are being really intentional about some of the items that a lot of people typically purchase. So as an example, I want to try to not purchase things just for the wedding. I want it also to be utilized in our future home or as memorabilia or something like that. As an example, a lot of the florals, which my mom is going to be doing because my mom is in her gardening area now, I want to be able to dry them and use them as decor around the house and also as memorabilia. Also for bridesmaids swag, I know a lot of people like to get sweaters and things like that. And honestly, who is going to wear a team bride sweater ever again in their life, right? So I feel like if I decide to do something like that, we're probably going to really high quality sweaters hopefully made by one of my clients. And then we can get like patches or pins instead. And then you can take the patch and pin off afterwards. And it's like really cute memorabilia. But you can also wear the sweater out in public after too. So just like thinking about things like that. I also know that a lot of people are using like mirrors at entry decor now. And so if we decide to do that, like getting a really nice mirror, but then making sure that we can use it in our home afterwards. So thinking about that. And then with the dress, I would love to work with a client to do it if it works out. Otherwise, I'm going to try to support a local designer and I am going to try to get something that I can either repurpose later into like a really cute two-piece set or into a dress I can wear on vacation so that it's not just something I wear once. So yeah, but essentially the main vision behind the wedding is just not making it last a lifetime in the landfills. and last but not least, exciting question from the team. So, where do you want Recloseted to go moving forward? Where do you see the podcast going? And again, congrats on the 200 episodes. So, I am really excited about Recloseted this year. I have some really big goals. We are going to scale and grow. We are definitely on a growth trajectory and I think for so long I was a little afraid of it because I wasn't sure if I was ready for it subconsciously and also I just felt like things had to be perfect behind the scenes but I'm now realizing that you need to build the plane when you fly it and in our next episode I'm going to do a building recloseted episode where I talk about the fact that my goal is to 5x our growth this year and I'm going to break down the strategies I'm using to do that I'm really embracing it I'm owning it I am going to claim it and all this stuff so yeah that's kind of like what the planet continue to grow continue to scale and then with the podcast I am so excited I have some amazing guests lined up this year I have some amazing topics we're gonna dive into and we are bringing it now in video format which I hope that you like so if you like to 12 3 30 at the gym or if you you know like to watch things in the background as you're cooking then you you can now do that on our YouTube channel. We always love to hear from you as well. So if you have any topics you want me to cover, please send us a DM at Recloseted or you can email us hello at recloseted.com. But yeah, that is our 200th episode. Thank you again if you have been here since the beginning or even if just started listening to this episode thank you so much. It means the world. I put all of this out here because I want to support you and I want you to succeed. So I share all my lessons and mistakes in hopes that you don't have to make them. And that's a wrap on this episode. If you got value from this, I would appreciate it if you could take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at recloseted. Be sure to subscribe to the Recloseted Radio podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode and you have access to all of our valuable resources. And if you're feeling generous, please rate our podcast five stars and leave us a glowing review. I'm cheering you on and together, let's transform the harmful fashion industry.